hemodynamics, and control of blood pressure and flow. Homeostasis is the regulation of arterial blood pressure, the delivery of hormones from endocrine glands, the regulation of body temperature, and the compensation for altered states such as hemorrhage, exercise, and postural changes. The heart serves as a pump to move blood through the system. When our blood pressure falls during anesthesia, our first thoughts are, is it a pump problem, a vessel problem, or a volume problem? Arteries are the vessels that carry blood to the tissues. Arteries are under a high pressure system and low volume. Arteries are thick walled and elastic. Arterioles are smooth muscle and are usually always in a slightly contracted state. Arterioles are innervated by alpha-1 adrenergic receptors to cause contraction and constriction. They are also innervated by beta-2 adrenergic receptors that are located in skeletal muscle. This activation causes relaxation. Arterioles has the highest resistance to blood flow. They are also high volume. Arterioles are contracted with higher tone. These are the gatekeepers. They contract and relax as needed to control blood flow to an organ. Capillaries lie within the tissue. They are a single layer epithelium. Exchange of materials take place in the capillaries. They are a very thin membrane. Capillaries have the biggest cross-sectional area, which is important for velocity. They have a slower velocity in order for nutrient exchange. Venules are thin-walled. Veins carry blood from the tissues. Veins have a low pressure or unstressed system and high volume. Veins can constrict as well. Endothelium, smooth muscle, and connective tissue. The veins are less elastic than the arteries. They, hold, they can hold a lot of blood. They have high capitance or high compliance. The veins are under sympathetic control. Again, capillaries have the greatest cross-sectional area, even though they are smaller. Systemic circulation travels from the left heart to the systemic arteries to the capillaries and veins and pumps blood to all organs except the lungs. Pulmonary circulation includes the right heart, the pulmonary arteries, the capillaries, and the veins. The right ventricle pumps deoxygenated blood to the lungs. A steady state is known as homeostasis. This is our optimal, optimal level for survival. When steady state is disrupted, then we have illness. Venous return to the right heart is equal to venous return to the left heart. Cardiac output from the left heart is equal to cardiac output from the right heart. Cardiac output is equal to venous turn, venous return, and homeostasis. The purpose of the blood vessels, they are a conduit from, for blood to and from the tissues. Blood vessels regulate blood flow to organs. Increased resistance in arterioles means there is a decrease of blood flow to that organ. Decreased resistance in arterioles means there is an increase in blood flow to that organ. Total cardiac output from the left heart provides blood to the organ systems in a parallel arrangement of arteries. Cardiac output goes to all of the organs at once, not one after the other. So it will 15% will go to the brain at the same time that 5% goes to the heart 
at the same time that 20% goes to the kidneys at the same time that 25% goes to the liver. Cardiac output to organs change. If cardiac output stays the same, blood can be redistributed due to a change in resistance. If cardiac output changes, but the percent to each organ can stay the same, or some combination of the two. Hemodynamics. Principles and concepts that describe blood flow within the cardiovascular system include flow, pressure, resistance, and compliance or capitance. Velocity of blood flow is the rate of movement of blood per unit time. Velocity is equal to flow over cross-sectional area. Area is equal to pi r squared. Keeping these two equations in mind, we can deduce that Increased cross-sectional area leads to a decrease in velocity. Increase in flow leads to an increase in velocity. Because area equals pi r squared, an increase in radius leads to an increase in velocity. An increase in radius leads to a decrease in flow. Velocity is lowest in the capillaries to allow for nutrient and gas exchange. Again, as cross-sectional area goes down, then the velocity goes up. Increased cross-sectional area decreases velocity. So even though the capillaries have a smaller diameter, there are more capillaries. Arteries are medium and the aorta is the smallest amount. Blood pressure, flow, and resistance. Flow is determined by the delta P, or change in pressure, between the entrance and the exit of a vessel. Resistance of vessel to blood flow is R. Flow can be described by Ohm's law. Flow is equal to delta P, or the pressure change, over resistance. Blood flow in the CV system is changed largely due to alteration in the resistance of blood vessels. Pressure in the beginning and pressure in the end from when the blood enters and exits an organ can determine the delta P. The greater the pressure difference, the greater the flow. Flow is volume over time. Flow is measured in millimeters per minute. Pressure is millimeters of mercury and resistance is millimeters of mercury per milliliter per minute. Looking back to velocity, velocity is the measure of centimeters per second, where blood flow is milliliters per second. So one is a rate of movement of blood per time, and another is volume per time. Resistance to blood flow. Resistance is created by the size of the blood vessel, the blood viscosity, and the serial arrangement of vessels versus parallel arrangement of vessels. When considering diameter of a blood vessel and resistance, increased diameter leads to increased flow and decreased resistance. Length of a blood vessel means shorter the length, the higher the flow. The shorter, the faster. Higher the flow, the less the resistance. When considering blood viscosity, the less viscous the blood, the higher the flow and the less resistance. Serial arrangements of vessels versus parallel arrangement of vessels. For vessels that are in parallel, the resistance will be lower. For vessels that are in a serial arrangement, as in one after the other, the resistance will be 
additive or there'd be greater. Pascal's law states that resistance to flow is equal to eight times the viscosity times the length of a blood vessel or tube divided by pi times the radius to the fourth power. Again, resistance is measured in millimeters of mercury per milliliter per minute. Increased viscosity, according to this equation, yields increased resistance. Increased length of a tube yields increased resistance. Greater radius or larger radius leads to decreased resistance. The radius of a tube has the greatest effect on resistance. Looking at the difference between an 8 millimeter ET tube and a 4 millimeter ET tube, the difference is 16 fold. If you cut the radius in half, you get a 16 fold increase or more resistance compared to an 8 millimeter ET tube. Viscosity and blood flow. For a single vessel, flow is inversely related to the viscosity. The viscosity is affected by temperature, hematocrit, and shear rate. Increased temperature leads to decreased viscosity. Increased hematocrit leads to increased viscosity. And increased shear rate leads to decreased viscosity. Series versus parallel resistance. The resistance in a series of vessels is the sum of the individual resistances. The arteriole resistance is the greatest. The greatest decrease in pressure occurs in the arterioles. To get the total resistance, add the individual resistances. So R total is equal to R1 plus R2 plus R3, etc. The resistance of blood vessels in parallel have a total resistance that is less than any of the individual resistances. Adding another resistance to the circuit will decrease the total resistance. The total resistance is less than any individual resistance. Only when vessels are in parallel, such as in the capillaries, is this true. 1 over R total is equal to 1 over R1 plus 1 over R2 plus 1 over R3, etc. The more vessels you add in parallel, the more the resistance goes down even more. What if one of the resistances of the individual vessels increased? What would happen to the total resistance? The total resistance would go up. A little resistance in one of the vessels in parallel would increase the total resistance, but the total resistance would still be less than all of the resistances added together. Laminar flow. Laminar flow is parabolic, which is mirror, mirror symmetrical and U-shaped. The layer closest to the vessel adheres to the wall and has the highest degree of shear. Very little flow to no flow occurs towards the vessel wall. The highest velocity in laminar flow is towards the center. Moving towards the center, each layer has less shear and higher flow. With turbulent flow, the blood moves in many directions. More energy is required to move the blood through the vessels. Turbulent flow creates murmurs. Reynolds number help us, helps us to predict whether blood flow will be laminar or turbulent. Reynolds number is unitless. Reynolds number is equal to the fluid density in kilogram per meter cubed times the velocity in meters per second times the pipe diameter in meters divided by 
the fluid dynamic viscosity. If Reynolds' number is less than 2,000, then flow will likely be laminar. If Reynolds' number is greater than 2,000, flow will likely be turbulent. If greater than 3,000, flow is definitely turbulent. What will happen to Reynolds' number in the case of anemia? Remember that Reynolds' number is equal to density times velocity times diameter divided by viscosity. So keeping that equation in mind, in the case of anemia, you will have decreased viscosity. With decreased viscosity, you will have an increased Reynolds number. Increased cardiac output leads to increased velocity, which means to an increased Reynolds, Reynolds number, which means turbulent flow. What happens to the Reynolds number in the case of a narrowed blood vessel? Again, keep in mind that Reynolds number is equal to fluid density times velocity times diameter divided by viscosity. So when a blood vessel is narrowed, the radius is decreased, the velocity is increased, and the Reynolds number is increased. That means you will have more turbulent flow. Compliance is sometimes referred to as capitance. It is the volume of blood that a vessel can hold at any given pressure. Compliance in milliliters per mercury is equal to volume in milliliters over pressure in millimeters of mercury. The compliance of an aging artery decreases. This means that for any given pressure, the aging artery has less volume. Elderly are volume depleted for this reason. Their arteries are stiffer, so they cannot hold as much volume. Looking at the venous curve, there is more volume in the vein for a given pressure compared to the artery. Blood pressure throughout the cardiovascular system is not equal. Remember that pressure drives flow. Blood flow requires a driving force. The changes in pressure throughout the cardiovascular system help drive flow. The pressure in the aorta is about 100 millimeters of mercury. In the arteries, it is the same, about 100 millimeters of mercury. Arterioles is about 50 millimeters of mercury. Capillaries are 20. Veins and venules are 10 and the right atrium is zero to two. Again, the largest drop in MAP occurs in the arterioles. Looking at the arterial waveform, we can see where the closure of the aortic valve occurs at the dichrotic notch, and we can see the systolic blood pressure and the diastolic blood pressure. By subtracting the diastolic blood pressure from the systolic blood pressure, we get the pulse pressure. We can also derive the mean arterial, mean arterial pressure by multiplying the diastolic blood pressure times 2 plus the systolic blood pressure divided by 3. How can pulse pressure be used as an indicator of stroke volume? The greater the pulse pressure, the greater the stroke volume if capitance is constant. We know this because the stroke volume is equal to the pulse pressure times the compliance. The equation also states compliance is equal to volume over pulse pressure. Compliance equals delta V over delta P. Volume equals compliance times delta P. This is how we get the equation stroke volume equals pulse pressure times compliance. Regulation of arterial blood pressure. The mean arterial pressure must be maintained at a certain pressure as the driving force for blood flow. Low blood pressure means that there is less flow to the organs. The brain is one of the most important organs to perfuse. P 
subscript A is the mean arterial pressure in major arteries for each organ. Blood flow to an organ then is regulated by changes in resistance in the arterioles of that organ. Ohm's law states that the P sub A is equal to cardiac output times TPR, or the mean arterial pressure equals cardiac output times TPR. This equation, MAP equals cardiac output times TPR, is similar to Ohm's law, which says that flow equals delta P over R, or delta P equals Q times R. If MAP falls far away from the ideal value in pressure, the CV system will alter cardiac output and or TPR. The CV system has mechanisms in which to do this, including the baroreceptor reflex, which is a quick response, and the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which is a slower response. The baroreceptor reflex involves neural involvement, and the renin-angiotensin system has hormone involvement and more affects blood volume rather than venous constriction or vasoconstriction. Baroreceptors are pressure and stretch receptors, or mechanical receptors. They are located in the walls of the carotid sinus and the aortic arch. In the walls of the carotid sinus, they work to increase and decrease arterial pressure via the brainstem to the carotid sinus nerve to the glossopharyngeal nerve or cranial nerve 9. In the aortic arch, they work to mainly just increase arterial pressure. They do not decrease as in the walls of the carotid sinus do. The aortic arch will send signals to the brainstem via the afferent vagus nerve or cranial nerve 10. Increased arterial pressure or stretch changes their membrane potentials. More action potentials are sent to the brainstem. The mechanical receptors sense the stretch. Decreased arterial pressure and decreased stretch change the membrane potential and less action potentials are sent to the brainstem. Information sent to the brainstem is processed by the nucleus tractus solitaris in the medulla. This directs an increase or decrease autonomic flow as necessary. Parasympathetic innervation will cause the vagus nerve to act on the SA node to slow the heart rate and decrease the blood pressure. The sympathetic nerve will act as a cardiac accelerator and vasoconstrictor. The sympathetic nerve will act on the SA node to increase heart rate, will act on the ventricle to increase contractility, and will work on the arterioles and veins to cause vaso and venous constriction. When MAP increases, the carotid sinus and aortic arch baroreceptors are not happy, and the firing rate of the cranial nerves 9 and 10 are increased. The nucleus tractus solitaris in the medulla senses the increased firing. It will then use the cardiac centers to bring the pressure back down to normal. There will be an increase in the parasympathetic outflow system on the heart and a decrease in sympathetic nervous system outflow to the heart and vessels. Decrease in constriction of the arterioles causes a decrease in total peripheral resistance causing MAP to be reduced. Decrease in constriction of the veins equals increased compliance of the veins equals increased unstressed volume equals decreased stress volume, which reduces mean arterial pressure. 
The Valsalva maneuver is a way to demonstrate the baroreceptor reflex. During the, the Valsalva maneuver, intrathoracic pressure is increased and venous return is decreased, which causes a decrease in cardiac output according to the Frank-Starling law. Decreased cardiac output causes decrease in mean arterial pressure. The baroreceptors sense the decrease in MAP and will increase the sympathetic nervous system and decrease the parasympathetic nervous system firings. The pressure will then return to normal. The renin-angiotensin-2 aldosterone system regulates blood volume and responds to a decrease in mean arterial pressure. This system takes a little longer because it acts with hormones. This system responds to decreases in blood pressure to conserve water. Decreases in mean arterial pressure causes decreased renal perfusion. The afferent arterioles in the kidneys sense the decreased perfusion via mechanical receptors. Pro-renin is turned to renin in the juxtaglomerular cells. Renin is converted to angiotensin. Renin converts angiotensin to angiotensin 1. Angiotensin 1 is converted to angiotensin 2 in the lungs by the angiotensin-converting enzyme. ACE inhibitors block this enzyme to decrease blood pressure. Angiotensin 2 causes release of aldosterone from the zona glomerulosa in the adrenal cortex. Aldosterone causes an increase in sodium reabsorption at the renal distal tubule and collecting duct. Remember that where sodium goes, water flows. Because sodium and water are both reabsorbed, there is an increase in the extracellular fluid volume. Angiotensin II also causes arterioles to constrict, which increases TPR to increase MAP. Angiotensin II also causes the kidney to increase the sodium-hydrogen exchange, which also causes an increase in reabsorption of sodium and bicarb. Hypothalamus increases thirst and increases antidiuretic hormone as well in response to angiotensin II. Peripheral chemoreceptors are another way that the body conserves blood pressure. Carotid and aortic bodies have chemoreceptors that are sensitive to decrease in PO2 in the blood. In response to decreased PO2, the sympathetic nervous system is activated and arterial vasoconstriction occurs. Although mainly sensitive to PO2, the carotid and aortic bodies are also sensitive to an increase in PCO2 and a decrease in pH. Central chemoreceptors are more responsive to CO2 and pH. Changes in CO2 and pH have direct changes in the outflow of the CV centers. For example, when cerebral ischemia occurs, CO2 increases and pH decreases. This causes an increase in sympathetic system outflow. The increased sympathetic nervous system outflow causes arterial vasoconstriction, increasing TPR. Blood flow is redirected to the brain to maintain cerebral perfusion pressure. MAP increases, which is a part of Cushing's triad. The central chemoreceptors are located in the medulla oblongata. Antidiuretic hormone responds to serum osmolarity and decrease in mean arterial pressure. ADH is secreted from the posterior pituitary to regulate fluid osmolarity is also known as vasopressin. ADH receptors are located 
on the vascular smooth muscle in the renal collecting ducts. V1, located on vascular smooth muscle, causes vasoconstriction of the arterioles, which increases TPR. V2 receptors are located on the renal collecting ducts, which cause water reabsorption to maintain body fluid and osmolarity. Low pressure barrier receptors also sense stretch and pressure. They monitor fullness of the venous system. These receptors are located in veins, atria, and pulmonary arteries on the venous side. They monitor the fullness of the vascular system. They respond to increased blood volume. Increased blood volume causes an increased excretion of sodium. Atrial natria peptide is released which causes decreased TPR and causes increased sodium and water excretion. It also causes a decrease in ADH secretion. Decreased sympathetic nervous system causes renal vasodilation and increased sodium and water excretion. Increased heart rate causes increased cardiac output, which causes increased renal perfusion, which also causes increased sodium and water excretion. Control of local blood flow. Changes in blood flow to an organ happen by altering arteriolar resistance. Again, arterioles are the gatekeeper. They control the blood flow to the organ via vaso and vasoconstriction and dilation. Local or intrinsic control matches blood flow to the metabolic needs of the organ. Local metabolites affect the arteriolar resistance. Extrinsic control includes neuronal and hormonal control, sympathetic nervous system on smooth muscle. Actions of vasoactive substances also control local blood flow through histamine, bradykinin, and prostaglandins. Intransit local flow, also known as autoregulation, maintains constant blood flow when atrial pressure changes. Autoregulation ensures a steady blood flow in the case of changing pressures. Kidneys, brain, heart, and skeletal muscle all exhibit autoregulation. Vasodilation decreases resistance to blood flow. Active hyperemia is when blood flow increases in response to increased demand, such as when the skeletal muscles are moving during exercise. Reactive hyperemia is when blood flow increases in response to a period of decreased blood flow. For example, during arterial occlusion, hypoxia accumulates. The longer the occlusion, the greater the oxygen debt. The greater the debt, the greater the compensatory blood flow until the deficit is recovered. Reactive hyperemia is a compensation for decreased blood flow. Local control mechanisms are explained by myogenic hypothesis or autoregulation. With an increased mean arterial pressure, vascular smooth muscle is stretched and contracts in response. Contraction increases resistance and maintains the constant flow in the face of an increased MAP. When there is a decreased mean arterial pressure, there is less stretch, and this causes relaxation in response. Relaxation decreases resistance and maintains constant flow in the face of a decreased MAP. There is also the metabolic hypothesis, where oxygen supply is matched to oxygen demand. Alteration of arteriolar resistance. Vasodilators produced from metabolism include carbon dioxide, hydrogen, potassium, lactate, and adenosine. 
Each organ utilizes different metabolites. Extrinsic control, neuronal and hormonal control. The sympathetic system innervates vascular smooth muscle. Some tissues have a lot of innervation, such as the skin and the skeletal muscle, and some tissues have very little innervation, such as the coronary, pulmonary, and cerebral, art cerebral arteries. Sympathetic nervous system stimulation may do different things depending on the tissue type and the receptor type. The skin has vasoconstriction via alpha-1 receptors. Skeletal muscle exhibits vasoconstriction via alpha-1 or vasodilation via beta-2. Epi can work on beta-2 receptors, which can actually make the blood pressure worse if you only give the patient a little bit. Histamine causes arterial vasodilation and venual constriction. It increases capillary pressure, which can cause edema. Bradykinin has similar effects to histamine. Serotonin can cause vasoconstriction in response to local tissue damage. Finally, prostaglandins have constricting and dilating effects. What is the normal range of pressures in the chambers of the heart? The right atrial pressure is 1 to 8, RV is 15 to 30, LA is 2 to 12, and LV is 100 to 140 over 0 to 12. The normal MAP is 80 to 120 millimeters mercury. What two factors determine blood pressure? Cardiac output and total peripheral resistance. These are described by Ohm's law. Flow is equal to delta P over R, or delta P equals Q times R.